This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are here on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And guess who's not in the studio? Selena Hill. You know who it is? Stanley and Alyssa, the godless rude ones. That's true. That's and I'm so excited because when it's just me and Alyssa, you know what the show does not have structure. You know why? We don't like structure. We don't need it. Structure is stupid. So we are here on a Sunday and we are leaving as soon as the show finishes because we both have plans to get extremely drunk with our friends. Am I correct, Alyssa? Um, I don't know if there's drinking at the party I'm going to, oh, actually. definitely going to be drinking it's, at um, my party. My friend just closed, actually, on a, a co-op, maybe. Wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, and so he's having some people over. Apparently, he doesn't have any furniture or anything. It's just, like, empty apartment. White people be like... <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw a party in an empty apartment. That I just that I own. That's, just that's, like we made s'mores over a stovetop yesterday. That is definitely classic. What was I doing? I was in Jersey with Marilyn, and we were at a friend's house. He has a beautiful apartment in New Jersey, and we were drinking with those and watching Amy Schumer. But before we even begin, guys, I know you're wondering what the hell is going on. My name is Stanley Fritz. I'm your favorite engineer on a PC one, two, threes, and fours. You can follow me on Twitter at Dark no, actually at Stan Fritz, on Instagram as Darkskin Swindle, or on Snapchat as Darkskin Swindle. Alyssa? And you can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, which is my personal page, or at Alyssa Fuchs on Twitter. And for the politically preposterous fan page, you can search for politically preposterous. Speaking of politics, I want to take a moment to thank the white man for giving us life worth off. Thank you, thank you, white man, for Friday off. I needed that day. You know what? I actually, that's funny that you mentioned that. So last night after the fireworks, I went home and I was trying to get some rest before we came to the show this morning. And mm-hmm. so I threw on which what is now called the American Heroes channel, which oh used to be the military channel. And you'd think like that's really weird, but they actually show a lot of really good documentaries, a yeah. lot of war documentaries. And so, of course, last night they were showing documentaries about the Revolutionary War, yeah. and when I, th- and it's funny because it's like sort of a conservative-oriented channel. It like some like of it, yeah. some of the commercials are like more conservative. Get your guns to protect from the blacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. America. Um, but I found interesting. So they're showing these documentaries, and they're actually showing real history. Yeah. And so a lot of French people we solicited. I mean, the colonists solicited a lot of French people to fight against the British. A lot of Portuguese to fight against the British. And this is before America was a nation. So these people were quote unquote like illegal immigrants, but they were fighting alongside with the colonists. So they were allowed to stay. And they were not just all white men from England. They you know, were people from all over Europe that wanted to fight against England and so or Britain. And so I was thinking as I was watching and I go, man, conservatives watching this right now must be having a heart attack because because this is actually the truth about what happened. This is real. I mean, yes, some of them were reenactments, but at least the story that they were telling was based in reality, not based in (laughs) conservative, the conservative version of American history that only fits their narrative. Dude, they probably like, they didn't even acknowledge it. They were like, yeah, America, we got these other, we got these legals to fight our war for us. And they're not thinking about what that actually means. Right. Or they're thinking, wait, what's that line? You didn't build it. We built it. Like, no, actually, they were very (laughs) involved in building it. They helped build it. But speaking of crazy conservative stupid things, this morning, a good friend of mine tagged me to a video of this young lady pretty much rambling for three minutes saying that same-sex marriage is not legal in the U.S. because it was passed with the 14th Amendment. 
which means that people can no longer be chattel. That's what she said. And that black people are still property. This therefore same sex marriage is illegal and that they're only doing this to make the churches marry people. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. But it does bring up a good point. Well, a good point for us, because what we'll be talking about today are all of the Supreme Court cases, the biggest cases, the smallest cases, the cases you didn't think about, but that matter to you. We'll be talking about all these well, cases that today. To me. Well, yeah, it matter to Alyssa and Stanley. You get to hear about these things, including the same-sex marriage decision, because this person said that the 14th Amendment was never ratified, which is not true. And then she said that same-sex marriage was passed because of the 14th Amendment, which is also not true. So now you will have a chance to finally understand how the Supreme Court SCOTUS came to the the decision of the same-sex marriage decision. Yes, we'll also be talking about affirmative action, maybe. Possibly, definitely. We'll also be talking about how the police can enter your house without a warrant, sort of. We'll also be talking about other things, which I will not tell how you. About, because I how about you. how Mississippi is suing Tennessee and um, who else is suing who? We have somebody uh, suing Florida. Yep. Georgia and Florida are suing each other. Yeah, so we have a smorgasbord of all kinds of lawsuits. So the first half of the show, we're going to be talking about the, the, the um, Supreme Court cases that have just passed. So... Anything you missed, anything you were wondering about, we're going to talk about that. Then we have the news roundup as usual. The second half, we will be talking about upcoming Supreme Court cases. And one of the things that I'm hoping we talk about is a Supreme Court case against unions because it may be coming back up. And if it does, it could kill collective bargaining permanently, which could cost millions of jobs and disempower unions in a way that has never happened before. Well, it's been happening for a while, but this could be the death blow. And of course... For the last one, for the quickie, I'll be talking about Fisher versus University of Texas, the lawsuit about affirmative action. Yes, affirmative action is going back to the Supreme Court. If you guys remember when we first got here to WHCR, I covered it as a segment. It was a great conversation, and now we're right back here having the same conversation again because after the Supreme Court punted on it two years ago, it's come right back, and we're going to have the same conversation all over again. But that's what you can expect from us from today. Alyssa, do you have a case that you're excited about? Um excited about that's that's hard um i mean concerned about uh several of them uh coming up on the next term evan tell evan well which is the one person one vote case fisher which you mentioned affirmative action yeah uh and also fredericks which you mentioned uh the public unions case i have some concern about how those may go um i i mean obviously i'm excited about the same-sex marriage case yeah right because we won that mother lover um, yeah, so, um, and, and, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that thing about people just saying what they want to say about the law without actually having any idea about <laughs> what they're really talking about. Yeah. I actually saw an article on, I'm not even going to mention the website. That's how inaccurate it was and how much I don't like it. But oh, wow. I saw an article on one of those websites that's essentially clickbait, um, and it was basically trying to argue that the same-sex marriage ruling nullified concealed carry what? laws in every single state. What? Um, it was taking this extended reading of the same-sex marriage ruling to say, well, if you know certain states can't ban other things that happen in other states, then essentially, basically, if people get married in one state, same like they get same-sex married in one state and can go to another state, and that state has to recognize it. Yeah. Despite the fact now all states can't have bans, but what they were saying is that means if you have a concealed carry permit in one state, then every state should have to recognize it, yeah. even if that state doesn't allow it. Um, and so. 
they were essentially, but they were saying affirmatively, like this yeah. thing happened, and like we should clarify that has not happened. Obviously, a lawyer may make that argument and mm-hmm. may bring that case, um, but that hasn't happened yet. So be careful about what you read online about the law. Yes, because people are stupid. So, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about the Supreme Court decisions. I know my favorite one to talk about is going to be about Obamacare. Because you'll find out why Obamacare is here to stay. We're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. I was informed by Sally Mae slash Naviant that when I call, that song comes on. Chick Better Have My Money by Rihanna. I love that song. And if you were just tuning in, it is just Stanley and Alyssa in the studio today because Selena wants to go to the Cayman Islands to hang out with Mitt Romney. And Jackie wants to be in California because she wants to do that. And Jason is somewhere being a dad because that's important. And, Apparently, that's know, a thing. Alyssa and I are godless and also planless because we have jobs that take up most of our lives anyway. This is true. But then when we leave, we're going to leave here and go get party, and I'm going to drink a lot. Don't you have to work tomorrow? No, I took a personal day. Oh, nice. Dude, no, I had to. Like, We literally have, well, I mean, you don't need to take a vacation too often, but I haven't had a day off since, oh, okay, I think like March. Mm, I haven't had a day off either. I mean, I, even I worked on Friday, which yeah. was everybody else took off and I went in for a few hours. Yeah, no, sir, I, I, I took Friday, Friday off too. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. We had Friday off, but I took a personal day on Monday because the event I'm going to after work today is it's like... Um, How come I wasn't invited to this event? I don't know. I should have invited you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not buying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, did you hear? Stanley and I are buying a townhouse. Yeah, we're not buying a townhouse anymore. We're Jeez. buying a renovate. We're buying an abandoned townhouse. That's right. We're going to turn it into a coffee shop, guys. Just, just kidding. We're not going to do that. No, we're going to turn it into apartments and charge you mucho money That's for that. That's right. Give you just a like everybody else. A $4,000 a month for one room, no bathroom, no kitchen. <laughs> I think that's illegal. And you pay utilities. <laughs> Check out Harlem, a lot of places. But guys, we are not here to talk about utilities. We are here to talk about the Supreme Court. So now, in case you guys have been hiding under a rock, or maybe you've been watching TV, but it's been too much to follow, 
This is Supreme Court season, and what I mean by that, from June to July, that's when a lot of the big decisions from the Supreme Court come out. And usually they do this because it's the end of their session when they go away. So the most controversial decisions that they have to make, they make them now. This way they don't have to deal with a whole bunch of people on their backs for months and months at a time. Um, they made the decision for Obamacare the first time around this time. They made the decision on the Defense of Marriage the Defensive Marriage Act last year around this time, they usually make their big decisions at this point. And what it means for us as people who follow these cases is that we get a smorgasbord of all these important decisions. The last couple of years, the Supreme Court has ruled on some cases that we may or may not agree on. So, for example, when Supreme Court ruled against the Voting Rights Act, we were very unhappy about that. And the Supreme Court has seen, for at least the last seven to ten years ruled conservatively on laws that we really supported on the progressive side this year though it's been a bit different we've had a lot of progressive decisions within the supreme court or at least it seems the most mainstream ones like obamacare and same-sex marriage absolutely but there there are cases and um and things we're going to discuss today where it has not been the same. But instead of just talking your ears off, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to go through some of the biggest cases. And I will let Alyssa, the brain, the genius, the lawyer, go over the cases and what it means for you. If you have a case you want to hear about or give comment on, you can always give us a call. Our number is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. Just make sure it's a Supreme Court case from either last term or one that's coming up this term. Because yep. otherwise, I'm going to be like, uh, hold on, I have to rack my brain and remember or if you like want to ask me about some obscure case out of some county court in some state or town or municipality i'm not gonna have any idea yes and also don't call them about jason who got a parking ticket and you want to know if you can fight it we're not doing that (laughs) yeah no no i think there's actually (laughs) another show on whcr radio that does do that Um, really good mondays at 8 p.m there you go but that's not our show yeah i think it's called legal zone i forgot the exact name of it yeah no from what i understand it's a really good show and you can call in and ask your legal questions but um i'm I'm not i'm not holding a legal clinic this morning. I yes. am telling you about important Supreme Court cases. One time I asked Alyssa what legal meant, and she charged me four fifty for billable hours. <laughs> so I don't... <laughs> I actually don't usually work on the billable yeah, hour. I'm just kidding. Because kidding. I do civil rights law. Civil rights. That's a song, guys. All right. So anyways, we're going to start off with the most... Well, the second most popular one, which is King versus Burwell, the Obamacare Supreme Court case. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, Alyssa, which I know you will. Wasn't this case pretty much over punctuation in the period? It was. It was over four words. It was over the words um, established by the state. And essentially, well, so let's go over some really important terms that I'm going to be using a lot during this segment um, so that you know what I'm talking about. So petitioner, you know, when you bring a lawsuit, you're the plaintiff and the person who you're suing is the defendant. When you're in criminal court, if you have been accused of committing a crime, Mm -hmm. you are the defendant and the person who is bringing the case against you as the prosecutor or the people of the state of wherever you are, right? Um, Yes, the white man. The people of the state of New York versus the defendant. So when you go to the Supreme Court or on an appeal, generally, you have two parties. You have the petitioner, which is the person who brings the case, and then you have the respondent, which is the person who the case is brought against. I'm going to be using the words petitioner and respondent a lot during this show, so I want to make it clear what those words mean so that people are not confused. So... In this case, the petitioners was a group of conservatives who believed that they shouldn't have to buy health insurance under the exchange because they wouldn't be eligible for the subsidies if um, the subsidies were not available in their state. So that seems like kind of crazy. But essentially what they said is this is 
Obamacare had a carve out, which said if you were in within this carve out, you did not have to pay the penalty and you could submit a form getting an exemption. Yeah. Um, and that exemption was determined based on your income and based on whether or not you were eligible for a subsidy. So yeah. these people did not want to have to buy insurance um, through Obamacare. And so what they argued was that the words established by the state means an exchange that's actually established by a state, not by the federal government. And therefore, if the the exchange in their state, Virginia, was established by the federal government, then it was not lawful under the statute. And therefore, they should fall into the carve-out exception because now they're no longer eligible for the subsidies. Therefore, they fall outside of the formula and they can get the exemption, which means they don't have to buy insurance, but they also don't have to pay the penalty. That's what they ultimately wanted. Um, So they argued that established by the state had to be read plain meaning that it was only those established by the state and that um, the 34 states that use the federal exchange, nobody in those states were eligible for health insurance or for subsidies, which would essentially make them ineligible to buy health insurance. Right. So like all people from those 34 states who were getting subsidies would have lost them? Well, yes, uh, possibly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So then there was another thing at play, which is the IRS was interpreting established by the state to mean either the state exchanges or the federal exchange standing in the shoes of the state. So there was a – the petitioners made two arguments. Essentially, one, that you had to read the law in context. You couldn't just go based on the plain meaning. And two, that – there was this case called Chevron, right? Mm-hmm. Chevron is like a case that all lawyers know, but essentially what Chevron is is when an agency makes a determination about what statute means, then we follow the agency ruling. So okay. if the IRS says that established by the state means state or federal exchange, then that's the definition that we use. But yeah. So the court had two options. They could use the Chevron and they could say, well, the IRS says it's this way, so it's this way. But mm-hmm. what that would have allowed was the next person who got elected president could tell the IRS to define it differently. Oh. And then that could change. So the support Supreme Court actually went one step further and they said, no, 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 we're not going to just leave it to the IRS to determine what that means because then it's at the whim of any president to yeah. direct the IRS. That we're going to actually stable. say that we have to read the law in context. And when we read other provisions of the law and we, we read the law in full and we look at the intent that the Congress had, which was to provide low cost health insurance to people, then we have to read established by the state as meaning exchanges that are established by both the state and the federal government standing in the shoes of the state. And therefore, everybody is entitled to have a subsidy, whether they buy it on a state exchange or a federal exchange. So there was a chance that they could have said like they would have they could have used Chevron and let let any president who's elected dictate what that like what it would mean. Right, right. right. That would have been the middle. The middle. I mean, there was basically three things they could have done. They yeah. could have said, like, plain meaning. It says state. It's got to be a state. So, you know, these states that don't have their own exchanges, they're, everybody in those states loses their subsidies. Wow. And then that's for either Congress to fix the language of the statute yeah. to say established by the state or the federal government, or each state has to establish their own exchange. Yeah. Second was the middle ground, the Chevron thing. Okay, we'll leave it up to the IRS. And then each president that gets elected from now in perpetuity can tell the IRS how they want to define that, Yeah. Um, which essentially would be a backdoor for a Republican president to kill the law. Yeah. Oh, and then they had the third option, which is what they went with. No, no, we're reading the law as a whole. Yeah. Exchanges, federal and state. Wow. So that's that's the breakdown of King v. Burwell. So Obamacare is here to stay and we're good to go. We shouldn't see any more challenges, correct? Um, I wouldn't be so sure about that. I mean, it's uh, it's in, uh, between, I think it's nine and 1,200-page law. 
There's uh, people who get paid, lawyers who get paid, mm-hmm. um, especially lawyers for conservative groups who want to yeah. see the law die, to go through each and every section of that statute and find some legal grounds in order to challenge it. So Holy I'm God. hoping that this will be the last you see, and people, you know, at this point, it's time to. You know, take the ball and go home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you never know because at any given time, there's armies of lawyers picking through every single word of that law trying to figure out a way to um, to Dude, destroy it. That's ridiculous. So, guys, if you are just tuning in, this is Stanley and Alyssa. We are going through all the Supreme Court cases that happened in this past um, summer. Not all of them, but the biggest cases. Uh, if you want to call in, the number is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio or, of course, Politically Preposterous. So, Facebook.com forward slash politically preposterous. So we've been talking about King versus Burrell, which was Burrell, which was the Obamacare Supreme Court case. And we want to shift gears now and go to marriage equality. Well, you know what? I'm we it's 1124 now. So we're going to be going on a break in a second. So I don't want to like start marriage equality. So how about we do a break. quick case real quick? Yeah, um, we'll jump in here and I'll give you a little quick case. So um, here's something that a lot of people weren't paying attention to, but mm-hmm. I think it's really important, uh, which is that um, an Arkansas had a prison policy that presented, uh, prevented prisoners from growing their beards uh, longer than a half an inch. And a Muslim prisoner, um, along with a group of other prisoners, I believe Muslims and Jews, if I'm not mistaken, but I, or there was a separate lawsuit with Jewish men who also were growing beards, they challenged uh, this uh, prison policy and they said that in accordance with their religious beliefs, this violated the religious uh, Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act and also the First Amendment. Uh, That was a case, Holt v. Hobbs. The court actually ruled in their favor. They said that the prison could give no good reason why their beards couldn't be grown longer than a half an inch. Uh, The prison had tried to say it's because they hide weapons in their beards and, you know, that it was for safety concerns. Um, And the Supreme Court essentially said that there was other less restrictive policies that the prison could institute in order to protect the safety of prisoners um, and that it was a violation of uh, their religious rights to not allow them to grow their beards. And so now um, it basically the Supreme Court invalidated any prison law which uh, or prison policy that prevents uh, men from growing their beards as long as they are doing it in accordance with their religious beliefs. So wait, like, th- th- how are they even dictating a beard was too long? Were they going around measuring it and if it was too long they would cut it right then and there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They were going around, they were measuring the beards, and they were seeing, is your beard too long? Like, your beard would have qualified because it's short, um, but if you had a longer beard that you potentially, as the prison argued, could have, um, you know, hidden a weapon in. And essentially what the Supreme Court looked at this and they said, you're allowing people to grow their head hair out longer, and so you're saying that they could hide a weapon in their beard hair, but they could hide a weapon in their head hair. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. Or in their pants. Right. So the Supreme Court essentially said there are much better ways to go about keeping prisoners safe that you don't have to violate prisoners' religious rights to grow out a beard. And don't they do spot searches like once, like four or five times a day anyway, just to check to make sure people... I watch Orange is the New Black, so I know everything there is to know about prison. If you really want to know about prisons, you should watch Lock Up on MSNBC. I've watched that before. That show is crazy, bro. There was this one guy, he got to a new prison. He's like, I'm going to build my empire. And he really did. Like, he really built an empire. Listen, when you got nothing to lose, right? Yep. And you got lots of time, right? Isn't that the beginning of Orange is the New Black? You got <laughs> time, right? Yep. <laughs> so, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk about gay marriage. And we will also talk about some other things, like what happens when you make threats against people, but you say that it's your music. That's right. That's right. 
Guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. I have a really good story about that song that I probably shouldn't tell live on the radio. I should probably tell you afterwards because I might embarrass a friend of mine. (laughs) No, when I actually, I'll tell her name. Don't say her name. No, I won't say her name. But when I was younger, my friend um, used to, whenever this song used to come on, if we were like driving around, she used to get out of the car and start taking her clothes off. What? Yep. I'm going to go on a drive with her. Pour some sugar on It's just like this stripping song. This is definitely a strip. I strip all the time when I play this song. Can you tell Selena's not here? (laughs) Yeah, right? Selena would be cringing in her seat. That weird smile she has on when she's nervous. All right, guys. Let's not do this. Oh, did I tell you? I don't think I told you. So last week, Selena, myself, Selena, and the host of her on web series, The Breakdown That We Do, we're talking, so they had a segment on religion, and Selena thought it'd be fun to tell them that I'm atheist, which is true, that I am. And one of the hosts on the show goes, oh, you're atheist? I'm sorry your life has no meaning. That's not true at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ag- I'm an agnostic Jew, meaning, like, I believe in Judaism as a culture, mm-hmm. and I, I like the holidays and the time I spend with my family mm-hmm. and the spirituality, but I don't really, you know... To the real religious We're, stuff. Your life I, has no meaning, Alyssa. That's yeah, what but that's... my life has lots of meaning. Um, you know, I fight the man. You fight, you know, speaking of fighting the man, On Alyssa, behalf of people who, you know, we need you always to, get screwed over. We need you to fight the man. So if you're just tuning in, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. It's only Stanley and Alyssa in the studio today, but that is fine because we have some important information for you. So if you have been trolling the web, you may have seen a couple of news articles on Think Progress, Huffington Post, and other websites where they're saying the Supreme Court made a decision that said police do not need a warrant to search your home. We are going to give you some information on that We're to clear debunk up, that. to debunk that because that is not what happened. Alyssa, lawyer them. Okay, so this is actually, I know I said I wasn't going to cover cases that weren't in this term or next term, but since this has come up on a lot of people's radars and... It uh, is clearly something that's important. So the warrant requirement is actually something that's written into the Constitution. And while there are many exceptions to the Fourth Amendment that have essentially carved out, uh, you know, where the exceptions have sort of circumvented the rule in some respects, we haven't gotten rid of the warrant requirement. In fact, you would have to amend the Constitution to completely read that out. Um, So the case that people are talking about does not get rid of the warrant requirement, um, but – it's in one of these carve-outs. So it's a case from last term. It's February of 2014, not 2015. It's known as uh, Fernandez versus California. And essentially in this case, the court ruled 6 to 3 that when occupants of a dwelling disagree on whether they will admit police without a warrant, that the objecting occupant must be physically present. So essentially it's like this. If Stanley and I live together, mm-hmm. we rent an apartment together, and the police show up and they want to search our apartment and they do not have a warrant and Stanley said and I am there and Stanley is not and um, I say the police can come into the house Mm -hmm. but Stanley who is not there would have objected to the police coming in the house then basically what they say is that um, Stanley must be physically present in order to voice that objection so if only I am there and I let the police into the house then Stanley has no right to come home an hour later and say but I wouldn't have let them in um, if Stanley wants to say no don't let them in he has to physically be there at the time so there it does not read away the warrant requirement this is actually in situations where the police do not have a warrant where they show up and they are asking you to consent to them searching. So if one person consents uh, and the other person is not there, then the person who consents 
they have the, all the power. That makes total sense. So, for example, if we had this brownstone on 126th Street, we renovate it, we're living together, and the cops come, and I'm like, you can't come in here. And then I go to the store, and the cops say, Alyssa, can we come in? You say, yeah. That's that's all that means, right? right? And this actually goes one step further because in this case, in Fernandez, the man who wanted to object, he was in police custody. So he couldn't object. He was arguing, like, I can't object because I've already been arrested. And the court said it doesn't matter whether you're in police custody or whether you're at the supermarket. If you're not there, then you can't object. And that's end of story. And we're doing it based on, like, common sense. Like, you're not physically there, so you can't voice an objection. Yeah, and, like, someone gave permission. It isn't like they went in without clearance. Exactly. I mean, there are cases where police get too much power. I don't think this is one of them, but we want to clear that one up for you guys. And actually, there's another Supreme Court case from way back when, I'm not exactly sure when, which says when two people are at an apartment together and they... Oh, and one of them objects and the other one says yes, then the objection rules. But yeah. that's because the person is there. So if you and I are both at the apartment together and the mm-hmm. cops come, they ask, can we come in the apartment without a warrant? And I say yes and you say no, then your no wins out over my yes when we're both there. What about same-sex couples? Just kidding. But that was just my weird transition to same-sex marriage. So, guys, if you have been hearing that case and you thought police could search your house without a warrant, that is not true. This is what has actually happened. Alyssa, thank you so much for clearing that up. That was very important. Well, what you should know, just so that we don't get anybody confused, there are situations where the police can, in fact, search your house without a warrant, um, such as ex- exigent circumstances, emergency aid. There's several exceptions to the warrant requirement. Yeah. Um, it's just that's not what this case says. Yeah, that's not what this case says. So now, guys we're moving on to the biggest case of the year and possibly one that will go down in history is one of the biggest cases in u.s history and that was obergfell versus hodge hodges the marriage equality decision that's correct it's actually a combined case really so it's not just obergfell versus hodges it's um deborah versus snyder Mm -hmm. tansko versus islam and Bork, I'm sorry, Bork versus Bashir. Whoa! Um, they were combined into one combined case. It was four different couples like that were all super scotus. Yes. Hmm. So <laughs> you know why? The, the headline on the show today is just the super scotus show. So that was a shameless plug. So we're going to be talking about this decision right now, and Alyssa will help you with this. Alyssa, before you begin talking about it, I would just like if you can um, address that point I brought up at the beginning of the show when someone said this was decided with the Fourteenth Amendment. It was decided with the Fourteenth Amendment. Oh, it was. Yes, it right, was. Right, um, so essentially, basically, the lawsuit was brought, which said that the Fourteenth Amendment, which if you don't know what the Fourteenth Amendment, that's the Due Process Clause. It says that you know that. Basically, you have the right to life and liberty um, and property, and you will not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And then it also has an equal protection portion of the Fourth Amendment, which says that we have, you know, each person in the country has the right to have equal protection under the laws of the United States. Um, So basically – there was many cases leading up to this. It really starts, actually, with a case back from the 60s, Loving versus Virginia, um, which was when, uh, uh, I believe it was a black man wanted to marry a white woman. Um, oh, yeah. Or maybe it was a white man who, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a black a black man who wanted, no, maybe it was a white man who, no, it was a white man couple. who wanted to marry a black woman, if mm. I have that correct. Down with the swirl. Um, they should have called that the swirl case. <laughs> yeah. And so they challenged, um, and they challenged the court ruling, these anti-misogynation laws back in the 60s, saying that it violated the Constitution. And the court agreed. And essentially, the court didn't say at that time that marriage was a fundamental right, but they said marriage was a right of fundamental importance. Yes. Um, 
And then in leading up to this in 2003, the court ruled that, you know, gay and lesbians have dignity within the due process clause. And so they struck down these anti-sodomy laws. Mm -hmm. And then two years ago, they struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, um, which led up to today, uh, this year. And so what happened was the case was brought under the 14th Amendment. They said that these bans on same-sex marriage violated 14th Amendment right to liberty and also violated equal protection under the laws hold on Alyssa. i'm sorry holy crap you are so smart guys she doesn't have any notes she, this is coming out of her brain she has no notes i have very little notes this is all first verse all first verse you're gonna get this work all right go ahead um, sorry i just have to say that yeah so basically that was the the case they they four different couples they brought um cases challenge they were all slightly different for example in uh the case of mr oberger fell his husband had passed away. They were legally married in one state. They went back to the state that they lived in. Um, their marriage was not recognized. His husband died of Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, um, and he was suing for the right to be recognized as a spouse on yeah. his husband's death certificate. Yeah. Um, in the other cases like DeBoer and, Bo- and Bork, um, those people were alive and they were arguing that the laws, the bans in their states violated their constitutional rights to due process and equal protection under the 14th Amendment. And guys, just in case you want to call, ask a question or give comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio or Facebook.com slash politically preposterous. Go ahead. So the court ruled that the 14th Amendment requires a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex and also uh, must recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex when the marriage was lawfully licensed and performed out of state, uh, which actually they answered the second question in the affirmative, which they didn't really have to do, I mean, because they were ruling now that all these bans were uh, against the Constitution um, because they violate the 14th Amendment. Um, but they went so far as to say, you know, we'll just answer both of the questions in the affirmative. So now the other thing the person mentioned was that the 14th Amendment was not ratified. Uh, that's not true. Yeah. And so, so what's the 15th Amendment that was for um for African-American slaves? Right? Well, it's actually the 13th, 14th, and 15th oh. Amendment. The 13th Amendment gets rid of slavery. Yeah. Um, the 14th Amendment. So the reason why the 14th Amendment is passed, essentially, is because the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution, the Due Process Clause in the Fifth Amendment, only applies to the federal government. Mm. It doesn't apply to the states. If you read the language of the Fifth Amendment, it is yeah. very clear that it only applies to the federal government. Yeah. And so they needed a way to extend the Due Process Clause to the states. Yeah. Um, and so they passed the 14th Amendment, which is includes two clauses, two main portions. One is the Due Process Clause. It basically is a mirror image of the Fifth Amendment Due Process Clause. However, it now extends to the states. It explicitly extends to the states. And then they also uh, passed within the 14th Amendment the Equal Protection Clause, which says that people have equal protection under the laws, that you can't treat two distinctly, two you know, two groups differently, uh, essentially, based on different number of factors. And we won't get into a long philosophical discussion about that because suffice to say whether or not two groups can be treated differently under the law, under the 14th Amendment, determines, uh, sorry, depends on a variety of different factors um, and also very much depends on the case and the groups that are bringing the challenges. So it's, it's, you can't say that there's a general rule. 
Wow. All right. So I know we're going fast, guys, but I wanted to switch gears and talk about freedom of speech with the Walker versus Sons of Confederate veterans. And this is a case that came up in Texas in which a group wanted to put the Confederate flag on their license plates. And I think Texas wanted to refuse because of how controversial the flag was. Right. Now, I'll, I'll deal with this one quick because I really also want to be able to get to the redistricting uh, yes, case and, and, and the EPA case. And there's a bunch of other stuff we want to hit about Dude, First Amendment. We can hit overtime. Um, cool. But listen, I'm going to I'm going to burn through it because this is quick. So basically in Walker versus Texas Division, Sons of Confederate Veterans, we actually did a quickie on that. If you want a breakdown of what the case was about, go back to our archive shows, listen to the quickie. Um, but basically uh, the Sons of Confederate Veterans wanted to have the Confederate flag on their license plate. The uh, state of Texas said, no, we're not going to do that. The Sons of Confederate Veterans challenged this law or this ruling by the t- Texas DMV saying you're violating our First Amendment right to free speech. And the Supreme Court ruled that because a specialty license plate design is government speech because a license plate is something that is issued to you by the government Mm -hmm. that the government can decide whether it will reject or approve of proposals for different things on license plates. And now this extends all across the country to every DMV. So DMVs have the power because a license plate is not your speech. It's the government. Government owns that license plate. When you no longer have your license or the registration for that car, you're supposed to return that license plate back to the government. It is not your property. It is something that is being licensed to you. That's why you have a license to drive. Um, And so because it's a government property, it's government speech, and the government determines whether or not certain things that you want on your license plate can go on the license plate. That seems pretty fair. That seems fair to me. Um, So moving right along, speaking of another First Amendment case that was really important, I also did a quickie on this one. So if you want to go back and learn all about this case, it's Williams U. Lee versus the Florida Bar. Uh, There was a judge in Florida, and she challenged a law that did not allow her to personally solicit campaign funds. So essentially there was a law in Florida that banned judges from making personal solicitations. Their political action committee could still solicit money, but they could not personally go around and ask people for money and she said this violated her first amendment right under citizens united and some of the other campaign finance cases but the supreme court actually upheld this ban they said that there was a compelling interest in preventing judges from personally soliciting campaign donations and therefore this law did not violate the first amendment i actually think that's a good ruling because you know when it comes to judges they're deciding really important cases and i i personally don't even think judges should run i think they should all be appointed but that's a whole nother discussion we can get into at another time um i don't want judges walking around and essentially getting paid off by the highest bidder in order to decide in their favor should it come up in the future i want an an impartial or at least somewhat impartial because no judge is ever truly impartial um somewhat impartial judge who is not influenced by money donations received personally like private prisons like that guy who was arrested a couple years ago for pretty much locking up a whole bunch of jewels because he was getting kickbacks from the corrections corporation of america exactly so now let's talk about this gerrymandering case so in case you guys are wondering i think it was colorado no it was arizona pardon me arizona of course it was arizona (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes, Arizona is Arizona. So Arizona... Um, changed it the, the way that they, they cut district lines. So before, it was done by elected officials being able to create district lines. If you're wondering what district lines dictate, it dictates the voting block, like for certain electoral districts. So right here in Harlem, we have District 7, which is Mark Levine's district, and that covers a certain portion of 
Harlem, right? Correct. So now what elected officials would do every 10 years after the census is done, they would cut their own district lines and they could do it in a way where they could make sure, like, they could carve out the maximum amount of supporters for themselves. That's why in New York you'll see areas where, like, a district is all Democrat and someone can stay in office for years because, like, that base is always going to vote for them. Or if they don't like somebody, they can, when it comes time to redistrict, they can change their district, like what happened to Charlie Rangel, and expand it to a group that they ne- didn't necessarily have to work with before, and that can cause them to lose. So Charlie Rangel had that happen to him in 2010, which is a big reason of why um, I think Andrew Espiot had a greater chance of challenging him for the congressional seat, even though he lost twice now. So Alyssa is going to explain that case because this has happened. What happened was they gave the right to redistricting to like a, a committee of citizens. Correct. It's an independent commission. Commission. So what happened here is because they wanted to try and deal with the gerrymandering process and uh, make elections more fair than they were, they permitted. Um, sorry, they decided Arizona decided they were going to use an independent commission to adopt congressional districts. This independent commission was going to be made up of two Democrats, two Republicans, and I believe one or two independents, mm-hmm. um, and that they were going to draft the congressional districts in a way that was fair. Um, So what happened was the Arizona State Legislature, who was the people in charge of drafting the districts prior to the fact that they set up, uh, that Arizona set up this independent redistricting committee, they brought a lawsuit. It was known as Arizona State Legislature versus the Arizona Independent Redistricting, Redistricting Commission. And essentially what they said was that under the Constitution, it, they were the legislature, and therefore the commission had no right to create these congressional districts because under the Constitution, the commission doesn't have the power to create congressional districts. Only the legislature does. They were. This was another one of those things that's very similar to the Obamacare where you're looking at what is the meaning of the word legislature, right? And so what the court ruled, another five to four decision, is that legislature does not mean just the lawmaking body. But that legislature, that essentially the power is with the people and that the best form of legislating is when the people have the power. And so they read legislature as being much broader. It's not just the elected officials that make up the legislature, but that since we are a democracy um, that and, and essentially, you know, that we should have some form of direct democracy. And the most form of direct democracy we have is when we have citizen commissions. And so they said that the citizen commission could qualify as a legislating body, and therefore this commission had the power to adopt the congressional districts, even though they were not the quote-unquote legislature of the state of Arizona. So that's a great case because it means that going forward, other states can now adopt these commissions, these bipartisan commissions, in order to deal with the issue of gerrymandering and that maybe we will end up with a situation where we we have fairer – less gerrymandered districts where you'll have um, more competitive elections between the two parties. And this matters because in case you guys don't know, in the 2012 election, Democrats got more votes than Republicans and um, in the last – in the last election, but Republicans won more seats, and that's because of gerrymandering. Because Republicans cut the districts in a way that they maximize the amount of Republicans in their district so they can get the most amount of votes. And if that happens, well, that means that you don't general elections don't really mean anything. In New York City, we know that for city council and assemblies, assembly seats, general elections don't mean a thing. If you win the primaries, you've won the election, and that's what was, what was happening in these Republican districts and what is still happening. So this is a very big thing for us. 
Yeah, well, I have two more cases that I want to talk about before we close out the segment, and then we'll hit you with the news roundup, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the cases for next term that you should be uh, paying attention to. Yep. Obviously, there was a lot more cases decided than just the cases we got to mention today, uh, and you should definitely, definitely check out scotusblog.org, which is a great resource if you click on merits cases and October term 2014, and then October term 2015, you'll be able to get kind of the information that I'm giving you, but in more more detail, read up on more of these cases. Um, anyway, so let's get to the last two cases. We have Glossop versus Gross, and then we have Michigan versus the EPA. Uh, the first case is Glossop versus Gross. That was a death penalty case, and essentially, uh, the death row inmate, they challenged the use of the drug midalazam. They said that this was cruel and unusual punishment because there were some issues which, uh, with a botched, um, oh, I'm sorry, a botched What's the word? Uh, execution. Oh, yeah, the one in Oklahoma, In right? Oklahoma. And so these uh, death row inmates challenged Oklahoma's lethal injection protocol. They said it violated their Eighth Amendment rights because it failed to render a person insate to pain. And what the court held was that while you have the right to be free from cruel and unusual punishment, that doesn't mean you have the right to a completely pain-free execution. Um, that, you know, there may be some pain as part of the execution and that you know, it's not about whether or not it's about whether or not that pain goes so far as to violate the eighth amendment. Oh, um, some true. of the justices actually went so far as to say they would like to revisit the eighth amendment and actually rule that the death penalty is unconstitutional. Yeah. A bunch of judges uh, on the, um, on the losing side said that they would agree with this, the inmates that this drug does violate the constitution, but in a 6-3 to three decision, I believe it was, uh, the court actually ruled that the death row inmates had failed to establish the likelihood of success of the merits of their claim that the use of melatozam would a sedative um, would violate the Eighth Amendment uh, because it fails to render the person insate to pain and actually went so far as to say that, uh, you know, there are many different types of execution. Some of them um, have, all of them have some level of pain and it is up to the inmate to prove that there is a less painful alternative alternative. Otherwise, they will not go as far as to say that this violates the uh, Eighth Amendment. And actually, they actually went even further to say that it's because of the great advocate of advocacy of anti-death penalty advocates that has made it so that these drugs, execution drugs, are hard to get, which is true. Because of anti-death penalty advocates in the United States, a lot of European countries refuse to ship drugs to the U.S. that they know are used for executions. That shortage has led to the situation where we're now using drugs that we're unsure of. Yep. And what the court said is that you've been so successful in advocating the outlaw of the death penalty in these drugs that you've essentially done this to yourself in some ways. Yep. You've created a situation where you can't get these drugs anymore. And so now you're dealing in the unknown and that's your fault. Well, not your fault, the prisoners, your fault, the advocates, because yeah. you've done such a good job at your job that now you're in an unknown territory. It's a really interesting decision, although we're going to talk about in the next segment, uh, some other Eighth Amendment cases that are going to be coming up in the next term. And the wow. court's going to be kind of revisiting the Eighth Amendment issue. Wow. <laughs> wow. All righty then. Um, the court has never ruled that the death penalty violates the Eighth Amendment. There was a point in time um, where the court sort of put it on hold. That was known as the Furman era. But 
after that moratorium was lifted in the 70s in a case known as Greg v. Georgia, the court ruled that the death penalty does not violate the Eighth Amendment. Uh, let's quickly get to the last case, uh, which is Michigan versus the EPA. Essentially, this was like the one big loss for the president, um, which is the president through the EPA, which is a, an executive agency, was attempting to regulate uh, energy power plants, etc., and they did not take into account the amount of money it would cost for these power plants to come into compliance with these new EPA rules. These power plants challenged the EPA rules as saying that they went uh, too far and that uh, the EPA went too far when they did not take into account these financial costs to the power companies, and the Supreme Court agreed. The Supreme Court said that uh, the president and the EPA went too far because when they created these regulations, they didn't take into the effect the take into account the fact that it would cost these power plants a lot of money to come into compliance and that they need to take that amount of money in as a factor um, when they create these regulations. I hate to say it, but that sounds kind of fair. It does sound kind of fair. On the other hand, the kind of the, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, on the other hand, you can say, well, you know what, if you're polluting the environment, you should have to comply and you should, you know, we shouldn't care about what it costs you to come into compliance. That's the cost of doing business, right? (laughs) Um, Obviously, libertarians hate that argument because they don't think that there should be a governmental cost to do business. But I say if you're going to pollute the environment, then there's definitely a cost to do business. The one thing that's sort of a win is that a lot of while this case was pending a lot of these plants actually did come into compliance. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're now not going to – they spent all this money already to come yeah. into compliance. They're now not going to say, hey, we don't have to comply anymore. Let's rip out all these things. So and, that's a good thing. And also, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I interpret this case as if they're saying that they need to consider the financial – like repercussions of it, but that it also seems like they're seeing the EPA has the authority to kind of make these kind of decisions. Well, yeah, I mean, but the EPA has had, as a regulatory agency, the EPA does have the authority. I mean, that's a more complicated thing. It's known as enabling statutes, yeah. but you know, the the government, the legislature, Congress passes laws, and within those laws, there are known as what's called enabling statutes, and yeah. those those enabling laws enable the what's known as the fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy, the yeah. agencies, you know. Uh, they enable them to come up with rules and their own policies on how they want to regulate things. Um, and that goes back to the Chevron thing yeah. that we were talking about earlier. Like the IRS determines how to interpret different parts of the laws, yeah. same way the EPA determines how they want to interpret different parts of laws passed by Congress. Yeah, but the reason I ask that is because a lot of like, Republicans are already challenging um, the Clean Power Plan, which is the president and the EPA's plan, which has not come out yet to um, regulate EPA emissions in the United States. Now, the Clean Power Plan is seems like a great idea on paper because what it does is it's going to create like these emission standards but it gives every state the opportunity to create like their own pathway to reaching these levels and republican states and legislators and businesses are already attacking this thing that epa doesn't have the authority to make this kind of regulation so that's why i asked that question well i mean we'll see they can argue that under this new ruling under the supreme court that the epa doesn't have the power and then see if a district court rules in their favor or not um or they could uh say that no this is outside of the scope because of the fact that this new plan does take into the costs because if the new plan the the, the whole ruling is about costs so if the plan takes into account the costs when it comes to the regulations then they're not going to be within the scope of michigan versus the epa's holding boom and that's how you do it in these streets so guys we are going on a quick break when we come back it'll be the news roundup and i have an awesome story about mcdonald's a rapper and a mixtape i live the life i deserve bless Vacay, I feel better at work.